Uh, isn't that just such a reminder? What a powerful name it is. Um, so, as I mentioned earlier, uh, Pastor Mike, Pastor Caleb are off with our elders on a, on a retreat this weekend. Um, so, I'm happy to welcome back Steve Whitmer. He's going to join us here um, as we just sung to share a message about mercy, the mercy that we need. Um, so, Steve, come on up and a quick reminder as well that Sunday school session we're going to have, we're talking about parenting. Steve's also going to help us with that. Uh, so, just encourage you to stay here in the worship center after some fellowship time. And so, Steve, bring us the word of God today. I'm excited to uh, be here with you uh, once again and I'll open up God's word and uh, feast of all of its goodness and, and wonder to us as God reveals himself uh, in some miraculous ways. Uh, I was excited to see that you're doing the Franklin Graham, the shoe boxes and, and sending those out. Uh, I have been to Russia a dozen times and have been out in the middle of nowhere there. Uh, hours and hours out where you, you wonder where this, this road is going that is full of all potholes and the little vans are bumping like this all over the place and, and you're getting jarred and everything else as you're moving way out into the country and out in the middle of nowhere there's this orphanage with 200 children. Who have nothing. The buildings are run down, the, the roofs are leaking, the, the mattresses that they sleep on every night is made of straw that was put there probably years before. And beside the beds, a little shoebox from Franklin Graham. shared the gospel with these kids. And we just had another opportunity to follow up and bless them a little bit. So if God compels you to be part of this, do it. Because he's merciful not only to us here, he's merciful to these little children in the middle of nowhere that everybody has forgotten about. And he feeds them and takes care of them. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. It's a day that you have made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. We know that um, above all that you see us 
and you see everything that we go through and nothing is hidden from your eyes. We thank you for your heart that goes before your actions and that we can know you. And so we pray that uh, you'll share a little bit more of your heart with us today. In Jesus' name, amen. The talk with Pastor Mike, he said he's going through the Beatitudes and he wanted me to speak on uh, one of the verses there. Matthew 5, verse 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall be shown mercy. Mercy takes its, its root from the Greek word elios. It's an interesting word. It, it means to have compassion upon, as if somebody gives you a gift and that gift has no bearing on your relationship with them at all. It has to do of the fact that they, in their heart, had mercy upon you. As a mother gives her blood, her sustenance, her health, her strength on the unborn child in her womb. The child has done nothing to deserve it. The child is just there. And because it's there, the child is there, it has value. You have value. You're here. For whatever reason this morning, you're here. God, in his mercy, looks down upon you as a mother does that child in her womb. She protects it. She loves it. And she gives of her, of who she is to that unborn baby. That's what mercy is about. God is merciful to both the godly and ungodly, and he shows mercy to those who don't deserve it. He calls people to go to those who don't deserve it. That's how merciful he is. He'll send them to the other side of the planet to show his mercy. Because that's who he is. Mercy is a core value of God's character to the point that he calls all of us as his children to learn and to practice giving mercy to others. That's who he is. So God calls us to practice being merciful because he is merciful. Matthew 23, 23 says, Woe to you, Jesus is talking to those who would be in society supposedly the most merciful, the pastors, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin. You have 
but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. He calls out to us that mercy comes from him as a free gift to give to whoever he wishes, whenever he wishes, and in whatever way he wishes. So you don't tell God who to be merciful to. And it might be that relative that you can't stand. And God is saying, be merciful as I am merciful. It might be that neighbor next door that that has a rock band but practices till midnight every night. And he says, be merciful as I am merciful. It could be that employee that works next to you in the office. And he's telling you, be merciful as I am merciful. It could be to that spouse who isn't really being nice these days. He's telling you to be merciful as I am merciful. It could be to that child who is rebellious, who's testing every little bit of patience that you have. And he's saying, be merciful as I am merciful. In Exodus chapter 33, he goes in front of Moses. Moses is up on the mountain and he's getting the Ten Commandments. And he does it not only once, but twice because he got so ticked off at the Israelites for for worshiping the Baal while he was up on the mountain. He broke them and then God had to give them to him again. And in Exodus 33, 19, the Lord says, I will cause all of my goodness to pass in front of you. I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. And then in the next chapter, uh, chapter 34, verse 6, says that he passed in front of Moses proclaiming the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate, merciful, gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. So again, mercy is on the heart of God. It is a part of his core, who he is. So just like his love is everlasting, and love is a part of his character, so is his mercy. And in Matthew chapter 9, verses 9 through 13, Jesus shows what it's like for God to be merciful. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting as a at the tax collector's booth. This is one of the people that was easy to hate in their society because when they showed up at your door, they didn't come to give you anything. They came to take from you. And so if somebody showed up at your door once a week and said, okay, it's time to pay again, how would you feel about that? 
So every time they showed up, well, here he comes again. I better, well, he's going to ask for some more. Well, that's what these people thought about the tax collectors. And so he saw the man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. And while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they asked the disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And on hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. And go and learn what this means, that I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. So mercy is a characteristic of God that desires to win the lost, that drives us to the lost. It compels us to seek and to save the lost. To go to the sick, not the well. And that's precisely the point. None of us deserve God's mercy. But he gave it to us freely. We are the tax collectors, every one of us. We take from God. We're the ones who demand things from him. And every one of us is blinded by our own sin and our own need of God until the mercy of God compels us to reach out for him. And it compelled Jesus to come and die on the cross for us. And so the only reason we're saved today is because of God's, what? Mercy. The only reason we're saved today is because of God's mercy. So because of God's mercy, Christ died for us. So why did Christ come? Mercy. Mercy is not about us being able to please God and thus get his mercy. It's about revealing God's mercy to those who don't deserve it. So in many ways, we're like the Pharisees. We think that if we just do what's right enough for long enough, then God will surely see our sacrifices and then be pleased with us and show us mercy. This could not be further from the truth. For we all, without Christ, are no better than a dead, decaying corpse giving off a putrid stench hoping that God will be pleased with it and use the order we give out, the odor we give out, as some kind of incense. It's ridiculous. 
What makes us pleasing to God is that his mercy causes his own aroma to cover our stench. We're dead in our trespasses and sins. God's aroma covers our stench. He is the incense. His love, his justice, his compassion rises up to draw people to himself much like the aroma of fresh baked bread draws us to the door of the Red Bench Bakery downtown. <laughs> Sometimes there's nothing, it says there's nothing, no smell better than a fresh baked bread right out of the oven. And so God draws us to himself, not because of who we are, but because of who he is. He's merciful. Hosea chapter 6, verse 4 through 6 says this. What can I do with you, Ephraim? What can I do with you, Judah? Your love is like the morning mist. In the early dew, it just disappears. Therefore, I will cut you to pieces with my prophets. I killed you with the words of my mouth. Then my judgments will go forth like the sun. For I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And the acknowledgement of God, who he is, his greatness, his, his love, his mercy, rather than burnt offerings. So if you think you can please God, forget it. We can't in our flesh. There is nothing in our flesh to please God. It's all about who he is and his mercy. Mary, the mother of Jesus, got this. And in Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 55, records a song from her heart. And I wish I knew the melody. I could sing it to you. But it doesn't give us the actual notes, the music in here. It just tells us what the words are. My soul glorifies who? Myself? No. My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in my own efforts, right? No. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed. Why? For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. It stands above all other names, and I love the fact that we sang that today. His mercy extends to those who fear him. So, who does his mercy extend to? Those who pride themselves in what they've accomplished? Oh. His mercy extends to those who fear him. 
from generation to generation, he has performed mighty deeds with his arm, not our arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones and has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. He came in the middle of their disobedience when Israel was at its worst. When they were apathy, apathetic about who God was, they were looking for a Messiah that was of their choosing, ignorant of the scriptures and how he would come. But he came anyway, and he showed mercy to them while they were in their sinful, disobedient state. So what does he want us to do about it? Extending mercy demands that we let go of what others owe us and cling instead to what God has given us. Let me say it again. Extending mercy demands that we let go of what others owe us and we cling instead to what God has given us, mercy. Do you cling to his mercy? And so we have a parable, parable of the unmerciful servant. So Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? And the answer is not seven times, but 70 times seven. So therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants, and he be began the settlement, and a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. It's NIV I'm reading out of. And since he wasn't able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had would be sold to repay the debt. So at this, the servant fell on his knees before him, and he said, Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. So the servant's master took pity on him and canceled his debt and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. And so he grabbed him and began to choke him, and he said, pay back what you owe me, he demanded. And the servant fell on his knees and begged him. He said, be patient with me, and I'll pay you back. But he refused, and instead he went off, had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged, and they went and told their master everything that had happened. 
When the master called the servant in, he said, you wicked servant, I canceled all that debt of yours that you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy upon you? And in anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured so that he should pay back all that he owed. And here's the statement that Jesus gives us. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother and sister from your heart. It's not about what other people owe you. It's about what you've already gotten from God. And that's his mercy. So have you been filled with it? If you haven't been, call out for God to give you his mercy. To let you see it for you. It's a devastating thing to be humble to that degree. But it's necessary that you understand God's mercy for you. That you don't deserve even being here this morning. The only reason you're here is because of God's mercy. But yet when somebody does something here that is the least offensive to us. We get embittered, we hold grudges, we refuse to eat with them, be associated with them, or do business with them. We want to protect ourselves. And if Christ would have done that, what would have happened to us? So how many times should I forgive them, Steve? Seven times? No, I tell you, 70 times seven. For we are them. And God forgives us 70 times 7. So let go. Cancel the debts that you feel others owe you. And cling to God's mercy for you. Cling to his kindness to you. Cling to his faithfulness to you. I think that we are all like the two blind men who came to Jesus for healing in Matthew 10. I mean, Matthew 20, verses 29 through 34. As Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him. Two blind men were sitting by the roadside, and when they heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, Son of David, have what? Have mercy on us. And Jesus stopped and he called to them. He said, what do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, we want our sight. And the Lord had compassion on them and touched their eyes, and immediately they received their sight and followed him. Oh, I forgot this one, missed one, one verse here. The, the crowd rebuked them and told them to be quiet, but they shouted all the, loud, all the louder, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. So the question is for you and me. 
Do we see that it is God's mercy that we need? Or do we see that it's the sight that we need? Mercy comes before the sight. We get so focused on what we think we need right here, right now, in front of us, instead of the bigger picture. And the bigger picture is, we need the mercy of God. Calling out for God's mercy to rest on us is what causes us to be able to see. If you don't understand the mercy of God, you are spiritually blind. You cannot see. It's what he determines in his heart to show us all that, that matters. And what he wants us to be able to see is the lostness of other people around us because that's what he does. He comes to redeem. He comes to restore. He comes to reconcile. And he wants you and I to be about what he's about. And the only way we can be about what God is about is if we feel if, as if we, our hearts are geared the way his is, and his is mercy. Our very existence depends upon his mercy. Listen to what David, just going to briefly go through his heart. David's, because David's man after God's own heart, right? So let's just listen to, to David's heart. Psalm chapter 4, verse 1. Answer me when I call to you. My righteous God, give me relief from my distress. Have mercy on me and hear my prayer. So God has mercy on us when we're stressed out. Cry out for mercy. Not necessarily relief from your circumstances. What we need is mercy. Psalm chapter 6, verse 2. Have mercy on me, Lord, for I am faint. Heal me, Lord, for my bones are in agony. God has mercy on us when we are physically weak. Cry out for his mercy. Psalm 41, verse 4. I said, Lord, have mercy on me. Lord, heal me. I have sinned against you. And in Psalm 51, verse 1, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. God has mercy on us when we have sinned against him. Cry out for it. Psalm 57, 1. Have mercy on me, my God, have mercy on me, for in you I take refuge. I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings until the disaster has passed. God has mercy on us when we are in the midst of the storm, which causes disaster. And when you're in the middle of the storm, cry out for God's mercy. Psalm 136. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. His mercy endures forever. 
Oh, give thanks to the God of gods, for his mercy endures forever. Oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his mercy endures forever. His mercy is forever, not just this moment, not just yesterday, today, forevermore. Cry out for it. Psalm 119, 132. Turn to me and have mercy on me as you always do for those who love your name. God's mercy is faithful. He gives it to those who love his name. Cry out for it. What else can we learn about mercy? We learn that mercy triumphs over judgment. So if in doubt, do I get what I deserve or do I have mercy? The answer is, have mercy. James chapter 2, verses 12 through 14. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. So when you're in that quandary, do I judge this person or do I have mercy? The answer is simple. Go from the heart of God. He's had mercy on you. Have mercy on others. Jude 21-23 tells us to keep ourselves in God's love as we wait for what? As we wait for God's mercy to bring us to eternal life. So how are you going to get through this life? Only by God's mercy. You're being brought. <laughs> You're not peddling away hoping that you'll get there. You're in the back seat. You're being brought to eternal life. Enjoy the ride. And what's going to get you there? God's mercy. So when you think about mercy and all that God has had for you, it goes on in Jude, verse 22, to say this. Be merciful to those who are in doubt. Save others by snatching them from the fire. To others show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. So fear only has one place in all of this because perfect love casts out fear. But if you're going to be fearful, we need to be afraid of our own pride. Because it is our pride that keeps us from clinging to God's mercy. And I will say, unfortunately, most of us think that the greatest threat to our success is outside of us rather than inside of us. Our own selfishness and pride is the most heinous act of all manhood. Do you see that? That that is what's going to keep you from being in the will of God. Is yourself. It's in all of us. So that's why we cling to God's mercy. We have to cry out for it. We have to rely upon it. We have to live in it. We have to be thankful for it. And then watch as God faithfully bestows it upon each of us. 
every single day. We don't deserve it. So may God be praised for his mercy. Matthew 5, verse 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your heart. Right now in the quietness of this moment, let us search our hearts. There's someone in our life that needs mercy right now. You rely upon us to show it. And the only way we're going to show it if we've received it. So Lord, we want to cry out for your mercy so that we can be merciful. Can't give what we don't have. So fill us today with your mercy. Help us to enjoy it, to understand it, to, to embrace it, to, to, to cling to it, to, to know that without your mercy, we will not be able to, to have one single breath, that our heart won't continue to beat. We live in it. And so today we want to be thank we want to be thankful for it. So may you be praised for your mercy and kindness. In Jesus' name. Amen.